Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Thank you, Lord. I uh, had a student approach me today and sent me this little, you know what these little memes are? I, don't, I can't show it to you right now, but it's just a picture of like a, a calendar uh, page uh, for Thursday, July 3rd. It's got a little flower, and then it has a scripture on there. And um, it says, inspirational Bible quote, and it says, um, if it's King James, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. That's pretty, isn't it? Isn't that nice? The problem with it is, is that Satan talking to Jesus. <laughs> it's Luke chapter 4, verse 7, where Jesus is being tempted of the devil. If thou therefore will worship me, all will be thine. Uh, yeah, it's inspirational until you find out who said it. And Lucifer, he's a sneaky snake. Huh? That's why it's important for us to know the word, the whole truth, right? The whole truth. I want to just encourage you tonight again, besides before we, not only in what we're going to go over in the book of Titus, Titus, but we are, um, I had a eye doctor appointment last Wednesday before church, and because I was going to, I'm getting ready to get some new glasses, and did y'all like Maddie's new glasses? She looks spiffy. I was thinking about going and getting the same frames you have. What do you think, huh? And uh, so it had been a couple of years since I'd been to the eye doctor. And so the lady brings me in. She sets me in that chair, you know, and she puts that Hubble telescope in front of my face. And so she's, she's clicking through. Is it A or B or one or two? What's better? Anybody ever get stressed out? Huh? Because the last test you want to fail is the eye test. Right? You don't want to walk out of there <laughs> with something... Uh, monstrous on your face. So, so I'm, I'm really concentrating, right? Uh, can you do that again? <laughs> and it's still, sometimes it's still a guess. Um, so we get through that, and then she takes these glasses, and she puts them in this machine that can read what prescription they are. And so she does that, and she compares the numbers, and she says, um, she goes, yeah, we're going to have to change your prescription. She said, your right eye has dropped two points and your left eye, uh, half a point. And I was like, hmm. Well, I don't like that. And I thought about the last year or two, and um, as I'm in my mid-40s now, how that I really have to squint a little harder. And, and I noticed my squinting was not solving the problem anymore. <laughs> Yeah, some of you remember that? Okay, now, okay, you can make fun of me now. But I mean, I was, because I used to kind of squint and clear things up, but now I squint and I'm like, oh, that's not working. <laughs> I'm looking at the numbers and they're just crossing over each other and I can't get them to separate so I can see what they are. I'm sorry, I sound like an old man up here now, don't I? Okay, anyway, so I thought, well, okay, that's the, that's the issue. That's the issue. I said, well, what does, what does dropping two points mean? She goes, your eyes have improved. I went, oh, you said dropped. So I, that didn't sound good. They, they've improved. She said, yeah, your prescription is going to be lighter this time. And my family, as you know, since I was in third grade, I've been declaring God's word over my eyes. All right? 
the last four, the last four eye doctor appointments I've had over the however many years that is, every time the prescription has gotten lighter. I have documented proof. Documented proof that his healing power is at work in my eyes. I don't understand all these things. I don't understand, you know, we all want immediate, total package healing, right? Since third grade. I'm telling you, I know God is at work. I know his word works. I know his word works. I'm, I'm seeing it. So I want to encourage you. You might not be where you want to be, but maybe take a moment to think about where you were. Where are you now? Huh? You've seen progress. You've seen improvement. Keep walking by faith. Keep walking by faith. All right? Because his word works for those who will believe it. All right? Because it's no problem on God's side. He's already got it settled. So there's no question about that. Right. Let me encourage you. There's no question on God's part. He has this thing done. He has this thing settled forever. O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God will watch over his word to perform it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void. What God promised, Abraham became convinced, fully persuaded that God was able to perform what he promised. Yeah. Huh? And even when we're faithless, what does he do? He remains faithful. Right. Yeah. And this is a God who cannot lie. And he cannot deny himself. Amen. All right, so as far as he's concerned, it's done. Amen. So the question isn't about God. It's, will I believe that? Will you believe that? Will you keep walking by faith? All right? That's where we got to focus. That's where we got to put all of our energy into hearing that word, confessing that word, declaring it by faith. Amen. And watching it work in your life. Sometimes it'll be immediate. I like those immediate moments. But we do walk by faith, right. and we're all in process. So just, yeah. just be encouraged tonight. I'm very encouraged. Amen. So let's continue uh, in this series now, the book of Titus. This is, uh, we just finished with First and Second Timothy, now we're in Titus. Now, these, First uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus are the pastoral epistles written by Paul, all right? Both of these men were pastors. And uh, so I'm going to give you just a little history, a little background on Titus, on this book, um, that it is believed that Paul wrote this letter to Titus from a place called Nicopolis and in, in around A.D. 63, which had been around the same time he actually wrote 1 Timothy. Um, after the, his uh, release uh, from his first Roman imprisonment. So upon leaving Timothy in Ephesus to minister there, he uh, takes Titus down to the island of Crete. And, and so Titus, he intended Titus to, to lead and organize the island's churches there in their early years of existence. Crete is about 160 miles long, not, not a very big place, and about, I think, 30 miles, 30 miles wide. So uh, while the gospel had no doubt spread to Crete soon after Peter's sermon, if you remember in Acts chapter 2 when it talks about all those Jews that had gathered there for the feast and it named the places where they came from, Crete was one of those places. So the people come from there. So you know that when they saw the signs, and they saw them speaking in tongues and they heard it in their own language and then Peter preached the gospel and 3,000 of them got saved. Don't you know that those from Crete went back and brought the message? All right. And these, these were Jews, of course, there that had gotten saved. So um, Paul and Titus uh, likely did a good deal of evangelism 
on that island in the weeks uh, before Paul commissioned Titus to a leadership uh, position there. So Titus is Paul's partner in ministry. I want us to look up 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You can see where he mentions, I think, it, if I remember right, he's, the name Titus is mentioned something like 15 times in the New Testament. I'm, I'm in the ballpark. I'm not sure if that's exactly the right number, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verse 23. If we can bring that up. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So for a period of time, Paul had sent Titus there. And uh, you can read more in that chapter, chapter 8, about how Paul sees him and what he commissioned Titus to do. Titus was there with someone else to come and pick up an offering that the Corinthian church had promised to give to the poor people in Jerusalem. All right, so they came there, and so Paul's encouraging them to go ahead and get that gift. You made a commitment a year ago, now Titus is going to be there to collect it. All right, so receive him as, like you would receive me. He's a fellow partner. Also, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 3, um, we see uh, that yet not even Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So we know that Titus is not a Jew, he's a Gentile. Okay? And so uh, Paul brings him there, and already that's stirring up a little trouble with the Jewish people. Because what are you doing bringing this Gentile around? So, so Paul brings Titus because he's a partner with him in the ministry, and he said Titus wasn't even compelled to become like them. Because he simply believed the gospel. He didn't think his righteousness came from anything but Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, any other Gentiles here believe that same way? I do too. So, um, in, it's three chapters long. All right? So, I'm just going to give you basically what each chapter he does, uh, what the purpose is laid out for each chapter. The, chapter one, he teaches... Um, he instructs Titus to appoint leaders, elders in the church, how they should behave, what they should look like, what their function is. Chapter 2, he talks about teaching the people, teaching the people how to behave, the old men, the old women, the young men, the young women, and how they should act or behave in the house of God amongst other believers, how they should act in life. And then the third chapter, he encourages them in good deeds. Good deeds seems to be the theme of this book. Um, it's, it's several times throughout it you see the word, these word, either good deeds or good works together, all right? So in that way, he's encouraging not only Titus in good works, but encouraging Titus to encourage others in good works. Because of this grace that has come to us, this grace now should reflect in your life in good works, all right? It's a wonderful book, and, it, and it's very practical in a lot of ways, but I want us to go to Titus chapter 1 and let's just start with verse 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness. Verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie, we said that earlier, didn't we? Who cannot lie, promised before time began. Wow. But has in due time. Everybody say due time. All right. Do you know when that due time is? That due time is you time, all right? But as in due time, manifested his word through preaching. 
God has in due time manifested His Word through preaching. What are we preaching? We're preaching that message. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. This is the message we preach. And when we preach, the Word of God is manifested. And anything can happen when the Word of God is manifested in a place. When the Word of God is manifested upon someone's ears. huh? They hear it. What happens Paul says there's this succession that takes place. How can they preach unless they're sent? Because if they're sent, then they can preach. And if they preach, then they can hear. And if they hear it, then they can believe it. And if they believe it, then they can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Huh? So this message is alive. It's a glorious message. And it's manifested. The word is manifested through preaching. It's important. That's why I am blessed to have the privilege, but yet the great responsibility to teach people how to preach. I'm glad to be at Christ for the Nations teaching these young people how to preach so that we can see the Word of God continue to be manifested in the earth wherever they go. And to be preaching here in your life and see the Word of God manifested in your life and training up leaders here and those who are listening by podcast and watching our live stream. Anywhere that we can get the Word of God preached, There's the potential for the Word to be manifested. Hallelujah. The Word to take flesh. Amen. It's glorious, isn't it? Has in due time manifested His Word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, scriptural context. That's a fun phrase. All right. Um, We're going to go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. And just give you a little teaching on... Uh, proper Bible understanding, proper Bible reading. Well, uh, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Good. Be ready. If you're here, you might as well be ready. Yeah. Amen. This will help you. Uh, where are we? Titus 1, verse 12. Now watch this. <clears throat> One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Verse 13, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Now, if we're looking at those three verses, you start there and you see something interesting. Let's go back to 12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Man, it's a bummer to get that word from a prophet, isn't it? We won't have that at our prophetic conference this year. McKinnians are always <laughs> liars and evil beasts. You'd be like, who is this crackpot? Verse 13, this testimony is true. So it looks like, if you're looking at it right from, from these three verses, doesn't it look like the Apostle Paul is saying, The prophet said this, and it's true. Is that what it looks like it says to you? This testimony is true. They are lazy. They are gluttons. Right? Let me encourage you in something. That's not what he's saying. Because we don't have proper context on this verse yet. Don't believe everything you hear out there without knowing the context of what you're hearing. Don't just react 
without knowing the truth about something or about someone, about what someone said, because it can sound one way. People are very good about just taking bits and pieces of what someone said and just creating their own narrative and get other people all fighting, right? Replying, commenting, kind of funny. It's just all a lie. It's all fabricated. Well, I was ticked and I felt like I could vent right there, you know? Be careful about that kind of stuff. All right? We want to be people of context. All right? So this is what we're going to learn here. Now let's back up to verse 10 to see what happens here. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Man, Paul's calling out his own people here. All right? What are they? Idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Now watch this. Teaching things they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Verse 12, one of them, one of them what? One of those deceivers, one of those idle talkers, a prophet of theirs said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Verse 13. Now watch what he says. This testimony is true. In other words, this testimony that he said that is true. Not this testimony that they are evil, lazy gluttons is true. This testimony that this prophet said that about them is true. Oh, now we have context. Therefore, rebuke them. We're not rebuking the Cretans. rebuking the idle talkers and the deceivers. The whole, this, this, all these verses just switched for you, didn't they? Got a whole different message now because now we have context. All right? So this will help you in your Bible and you see something you don't understand. Maybe back up a few verses or keep reading. All right? Keep reading. And the Bible will answer itself. Right? It's called the law of hermeneutics. It's the science of Bible interpretation. All right? It just means you need to spend some more time. Amen. You're not going to get all the answer in one verse. I have students try to get one verse answers from me all the time. About big things, I say, it ain't that easy, guys. It ain't that easy. You have to study. You have to dig. You have to read. You have to meditate. Oh. Yeah, because the scripture says he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Amen. I want to know the truth. Huh? Be willing to spend the time if you want the truth. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Verse 14, he was talking about these idol talkers, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth, verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. Did you hear that? To the pure, all things are pure. Remember we talked Sunday a couple of weeks ago about sowing those fig leaves together? The knowledge of good and evil? How we find ourselves sowing fig leaves, calling things evil that aren't evil. I was afraid because I was naked. That wasn't the problem, Adam. Why did, you were afraid. You should have said I was afraid because I ate the fruit. 
I created you naked. Oh, wow. They, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Always looking for a motive behind it. Always looking for the evil behind it. Never believing the best. Always assuming the worst. I mean, y'all, y'all are supposed to be amen and not getting quiet. All right. Not, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable snowmen. <laughs> abominable. I had to say snowman so I could say abominable right. I feel like I can't say it right unless I say snowman. It all just flows better that way. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Did you hear that? What dis- disqualified them for every good work? Well, having a certain profession about God, but not proving it. We don't see, we don't see any evidence of that in your life. So they're disqualified. Oh, wow. Okay, let's go to chapter 2 for a moment. All right, about 10 more minutes, okay? Can you handle 10 more minutes? Sure you can. I mean, if you, if some of you just now be getting to the movie theater, all right? We, we would, we hadn't even been in church. We've just been in church a little over an hour. That's it. It's a short movie. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God, I love this, the grace of God. This is our, this is our attraction here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation. What brings salvation? It's the grace of God that brings salvation. Has appeared to who? Come on, help me. Has appeared to who? All men. That means Eric Holler's in that deal. That means Maddie Land's in that deal, even though it says all men. Being all mankind. All of us, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us. Oh, so the grace of God not only has appeared to us and and brought salvation, but it is a teacher. Grace is a teacher. Now look what grace teaches you. Teaching us that we can go do whatever we want because grace is going to cover all our sin and ungodliness. (laughs) We can just go live. (laughs) How's that? That, teaching us that we now have a free license to sin. That's what my legalistic friends would say. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Did you hear that? Grace is teaching you godliness. Grace is teaching you. How to reflect that salvation experience. How to live it. Grace is a great teacher. Amen. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. All right, so he's encouraging his son in faith. He's encouraging 
uh, young Titus. Titus, more than likely, if you read in verse 4 of chapter 1, we didn't read that, that, that he calls him his son of the faith. And so believe that somewhere along the way, because Titus isn't mentioned in the book of Acts at all. He, he shows up a little later, and so it's believed that somewhere in that preaching of Paul, traveling around, Titus becomes a convert, and Paul takes him along with him and begins to teach him. And, and, and feels a lot the same way as he does about Timothy. Now, Timothy's his number one son, no doubt about it. But Titus is a close second. All right? So he's given instructions to him. That, that, I mean, these are the only two pastors that he gave personal letters to. Now, look at this. this is, there's a really cool theme here in, this, in, this, in these three chapters. There are, are three summaries here of where we see the incarnation um, uh, that, that dots the pages of, of Titus. It's a powerful thing, providing a framework um, for us Christians that we can view uh, the work of God in the world and in our own individual lives. So I want to just give these three places to you right quick, okay? Titus chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. We're going to see this theme here. According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Verse 3. But has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of who? God, our Savior. Let's all say that together. God, our Savior. Say it again. God, our Savior. Now, go to chapter 2, and we're going to read 11 through 14. Chapter 2, we just read part of it. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to how many people? All men. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and, and godly in the present age. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify huh, for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So go back to 13. So we see God our Savior. We see great God and Savior. Okay? Great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is it called Jesus Savior? Did it call Jesus God here? Absolutely. All right, now chapter 3. We saw it in chapter 1. We saw it in chapter 2. Now chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Verse 6, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't that awesome? God our Savior, God and Savior, God our Savior. There's only two other books that use the term God our Savior. Timothy is one of them, only uses it once, and Jude one time. But it's the theme of this book. Because everything about our life, our reality as Christians, is found in the fact that God became a man. God, our, God the Son took on human flesh, thank you, Lord, huh? and walked among us. And that man took upon himself the penalty, the punishment for all man's sin. The judgment, he, he declared the judgment, and he carried out the sentence himself for our judgment. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Let me give you one last scripture. You can see this. I want to encourage you to read. It's three chapters. It's, it's, it's not very long at all. So spend a little time, maybe the next two or three days, reading over Titus, and you'll see this, this phrase, good works. I don't want to give you all the places because I want you to find them yourself. But look at verse uh, 14 of chapter 3. And let our people also learn to maintain good works. I like this word maintain. It means simply to practice or to rule good works, to be over good works. That's good, isn't it? To practice good works, to maintain good works. And that's not going to happen, though. That's not going to happen if you start by telling people that they need to do good without telling them the reason why. Because now, according to Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So now that you are born again, you were born for good works. This isn't something that you as a believer need to strive in. This is now the fruit of your relationship with God. It's the fruit of His grace in your life. Isn't that awesome? But if you don't get a revelation of the grace, if you don't get a revelation of the God becoming a man, amen, and saving you, then what's the reason really? What would be the point of maintaining good works and striving to, to live a godly life, amen, and, and to see God's Word working in not only our lives, but in the lives of the others that are in our life? Hmm? To walk by faith. Well, that's going to happen when you have the revelation first of who you are. Then you can have a revelation of what to do. All right? And we see this pattern continually throughout Paul's writings. In Ephesians, we see it in Ephesians, Colossians, clearly. That the first half of those books, he starts with who you are in him. You're in him. You're in him. You're in him. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You're seated with him in heavenly places. This is who you are. You have an inheritance. You've been chosen. You've been accepted by God. You've been adopted. Hallelujah. Now, start acting like it. Huh? Now start acting like it. Walk by faith. Don't go after whatever, whatever else the world's going after. That ain't for you. You're in this world, but you ain't of this world. Your light's in a dark place. Amen. And wherever you bring the light, the darkness is exposed. You don't have to go out there and talk about all the darkness. You just bring the light, and the darkness is exposed. Amen. That's why we preach this good news. The light of the gospel. Let it shine forth. From your life. Let it ring forth from your mouth wherever you go. Hallelujah. That's what the world needs to hear. What the world needs now is gospel truth. Amen. Hallelujah. And one of the things that, that Paul told Titus to make sure to be sound in doctrine. Sound in doctrine. This little example I gave you of context is a way that you can become more sound. Of course, hearing the word preached for sure. But, but in your own time, just studying the word. Just digging, at praying, praying for God to reveal things to you. He will. He loves moments. He wants to give, show you things. Hmm? So just give him that time and he'll, he'll bless you. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you saved us. Thank you for the grace of God that appeared to all of us. That unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor from God. Thank you that, Lord, you've demonstrated your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. Died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Thank you for that glorious entrance into the gospel that whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. There's our entrance. Faith is our access into this grace through Jesus in which we stand and do hope in the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for peace now to rule every heart and every mind. It's under the sound of my voice. Peace to rule every heart and every mind. Thank you, Father God, that that peace of God doesn't keep us from the storms of life, but it keeps the storms out of us and gives us that calm and that security that we have in Jesus. That no matter what is going on around us, the winds may howl, the waters may rise, the rain may fall, but Lord, you said when we're founded on the rock, this house ain't moving. We don't have to fear because we're in love, and in love there is no fear. It casts out all fear. Thank you for that. So peace be upon every home. Peace be upon every household representative, every family in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for it now. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for, for bringing order to chaos. Some are in here and in some chaotic situations. But I believe that tonight you're bringing things to order. You're doing it. Your word is working mightily. And it's just about to be manifested in their situation. The light is going to break forth. Hallelujah. The hindrances are going to break wide open. Thank you, Lord. And the flood of the reality of God's promise are going to come rushing in. It's going to come rushing in. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, bless your people as they go tonight. I thank you that they go blessed of God, that your favor surrounds them as with a shield. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of their children. They will be established in righteousness. They are established in righteousness. Lord, their righteousness is of you, and no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every lion, nasty tongue out there that, 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 that judges them, that condemns them, no, 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 they condemn that tongue. It will not prosper. It will not stand in the name of Jesus. Thank you right now, Lord, for your, your shield of favor that surrounds them. Surrounds them, Lord. Therefore, they have favor with God and they have favor with man. In the name of Jesus. And yes, when they go home tonight and they lay down in their beds, they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety in Jesus' mighty name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.